It's good seeing everybody. Crazy things going on in our world today. Crazy things that are going on in our families. Whether it's a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, a friend of ours who's been a pastor for over 30 years, he's had a prodigal son for, oh, I want to say 15 years at least. So I think towards the end of tonight, we'll spend a few minutes in prayers for our sons, our daughters, any prodigals that we know. I think we need to get serious um, about things like this. It seems like it's happening more and more to people, doesn't it? It just seems like more things are going on in our world, in our society, in our church, that we need to cover it in prayer. Um, I'm continuing our study in the book of Romans, and we hurried through some things the last time I had the privilege to teach. We're going to pick up on verse 22 of Romans 1, and uh, we'll get through chapter 1 tonight. Just a capsule real quickly. Paul is the author of the book of Romans, and he's writing it from Corinth. And a pretty neat thing happened. You have to remember there wasn't trains and planes and automobiles back then. They had to use foot to carry messages. It wasn't a postal service, or they had to uh, use ships. And there was a lady in Corinth named Phoebe who knew Paul. And Phoebe was the carrier of this letter that Paul had that he was sending to the church in Rome. Now, I was thinking, this has been a part that I've not struggled with, but I've really, over the past few weeks since I taught it, just has been on my heart, constantly reading it, listening to it, going over and over and over again. And I'm saying, well, what is in this message for you and me, of course? How is it applicable to us? But also, Paul, remember, has never been to Rome when he wrote this letter. And it wasn't until a few years later that he was going to be going to Rome. So some of the people he knew in Rome who had been in his area, But most of the people were just, there were some home churches in Rome that were just meeting like you and I do. If you have a home Bible study or something, that's all they were doing. There wasn't a formal church. So Paul had it on his heart to write this letter and send it to the capital of the world, Rome. And he has major messages in it in the 16 chapters. The first Uh, 17 or 18 verses is just a salutation. It's just telling who he is. Uh, Talks about the gospel. You know, how he's not ashamed of it. Also, what he talked about in the verses that we looked in the past is how things are written on your heart. And that, you know, no one has an excuse for not giving God the honor that he's due because God has made himself known through creation, through each other. It's there, but man has decided, and women, decided not to pay attention to God. Now, you're here on a Wednesday night or a Sunday. Hopefully you're reading uh, God's word, his love letters all the time, and you're growing into a deeper relationship. But understand, the person next to you, the person in front of you, the person behind you, it's unique. There's not a lot of people when you think of the seven or eight billion in the world that are paying attention to God. Think about that. They don't give God the time of day, their own creator. They don't give him the time of day. There's no wonder things are going on in our world. But understand that Paul is writing to the people in the church. Okay? He knows that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, but he's writing to the people in the church. Now, I think some of us know that some of the worst situations we've been in our life happens to be because of church people. It's not the world. Even Pastor Joe, you know, since he's been a pastor, the challenges, the trials, the tribulations that he has gone through with his family, that he has gone through with the Calvary pastors here and the staff here. 
He says it's easier when he goes back on the job because he knows who the bad guy is out there when he's a policeman. And that's something that's important. You people here, the saints, my brothers and sisters, you are the ones that we need to lift each, up, uh, lift each other up in prayer. We have to put that hedge of protection around every single person. Not only the staff, not only the pastors and elders and the uh, people in the women or men's ministry or the children's ministry, but each other. Because the enemy has a plan of attack. He wants to find the weak sheep. Just like in a family. He tries to attack the boy, the girl, the teenager, the mom, the dad, who doesn't have a relationship with God, to try to wreck that family. That's his M.O. He's been doing it for centuries. That's how we know how he works. God's warned us in his word. We need to pray, right, to lift each other up. Pray for, you don't know the person behind you when you said hello and they said, hi, my name's Vinny. Write that name down. Pray for Vinny. There's no coincidence that you're sitting right next to him or her. Although Vinny be a crazy name for a girl. Okay. In the Proverbs, it says, a fool says in their heart there is no God. A fool says in their heart there is no God. And we're going to jump into verse 22 tonight in Romans 1, where it says, professing to be wise, they became fools. Now, Proverbs 15.5 says, A fool says in their heart there is no God. And I was wondering over the past few weeks as I was putting messages together, the whole thing, and studying, why? Why so long? Why over and over again on these last ten verses? And I think one of the main reasons is this. For the most part, there's a lot of us, when I say us, the body of Christ, that does not understand the reality of God. They don't understand who God really is. We believe in God, but we don't understand Him. We don't understand all of His nature, all of His attributes, uh, the realness of Him. Yet in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, a blink of an eye, we could be face to face with Him. And then we would really understand who He is. Now, we talk a lot about the passion for the Lord, seeking the Lord, uh, getting, drawing closer to Jesus, and we have that promise, as we draw closer to Him, He'll draw closer to us. Do we take advantage of that? Do we, are we really sincerely seeking the Lord? Is that something that is on your heart? Or do we just read, and do we just pray as it's a, a thing that we got to do? Or are we really sincerely seeking, knowing Him, beyond any way we could have known him before? That's a hard question. That's an individual question that I have to ask myself. But how serious are we with Jesus Christ? Getting to know him on a personal, individual basis. And how would that change our individual church and the churches throughout the world that are part of our body? You know, we have a lot of people in this body that have cancer. You might be sitting there tonight and have some form of cancer that you're dealing with. And you know that better than anybody how you feel. But think of the cancer that's in the body of Christ because we're eating each other. We're going to look at some uh, sins at the end of this um, chapter that are right here in this body. And God wants to cut it out. But you know who's responsible for that? Jesus, the physician, of course. But he's put you and me there, too, to put out fires. He's put me and you here to pray and lift each other up, to be an encouragement. Have you seen people here that nobody goes up to and says hello to? If you see that person, then you need to become the person that goes to that person, to welcome them. There's a whole world out there that's looking for a place to find out who Jesus Christ really is. Because so many places have portrayed him in such a weird way, a crazy way. It's not the God of the Bible. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. You're a light, the Bible says, that should shine in a dark world. And guess what? It's getting darker. It's getting darker. We have the first sit-in president 
the first sit-in president that ever from the White House condoned same-sex marriages. Now think of that just for a second. We're going to look at a few things tonight. And it's not only same-sex marriages. It's talking about adultery. It's talking about fornication. It's talking about everything that's going on. And I want to say it first, in the church. And then, of course, it's definitely going on in the world. We know that. But it's happening within the body of Christ. And Jesus Christ wants a pure bride. A pure bride. A strong bride. Not a bride with a weak arm. Not a bride missing an ear. Or a foot, spiritually speaking. He wants a whole, healthy body. And one day he's going to take us out. He's going to take us out. And what's going to be left? And here's what I believe. Keep your notes. Keep your notes. Take notes. Write in your Bible. Mark it up. Because when God comes for his bride and takes us to the wedding in heaven, besides people left behind, your Bibles, your notebooks, tapes, there's going to be millions of people investigating what the heck took place. And wouldn't it be awesome for that young person, middle-aged, older person who's left behind, finding your notes that are explaining things that you studied over the years? How about that? Think about that. Think about your importance in what God is doing. Now, it says in verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. Who became fools? Who are the people that became fools? Well, it's the very people that Paul is showing from verses 18 to 32 that the wrath of God is falling on. And I was speaking to Pastor Joe today about the wrath of God. There is a day of God's wrath that's coming. Okay, and it's going to be unlike anything that's ever taken place ever in the history of the world. But we were talking today about how people that are living in their own sin, they're just doing their own thing. No conscious of what they're doing. No thought of the impact on other people or God, that that is part of God's wrath. Think of uh, Pharaoh. We've used this example many times before with the plagues. You see, before the plagues came, there is evidence of God's wrath on Pharaoh because he was just going about. He was just growing older and one day going to die and be eternally lost. But what did God do? He used a man named Moses not only to deliver his people, but to try to wake Pharaoh up, to give Pharaoh and his kingdom an opportunity to repent. So he started sending plagues to try to touch and wake Pharaoh up. He tried to shake Pharaoh, to wake Pharaoh. So maybe there's things you and I are going through in our life that God's trying to shake us to wake us, maybe not because we're falling away from the Lord, but to give us a deeper relationship. Maria, my wife, shared something with me today that the stronger the wind blows on a tree, the deeper the roots go. So think of the wind as the trials and tribulations that we're hit with and think of our spiritual root system, how deep it's going, that gives us a strong foundation. Because nothing is coming into your life or my life that God is not allowing to come in, whatever that is. Doesn't matter what it is. Whatever's going on, God knows it's going to happen. He knew it was coming down your life road and my life road. Remember back when God was ruling Israel, all the other nations had kings. But God was the king of the nation. They would go directly to God. But then remember the people started complaining that they wanted a human king. Like all the surrounding pagan nations. And guess what? God gave him 
a human king. And Israel has never, ever been the same since. I think when I start voting now, the next time I have to vote, I'm writing in Jesus Christ for president. We need Jesus Christ to be our king, our president, our ruler. I don't want man to do it anymore. They've had thousands of years, not four years or eight years to prove themselves. They've had thousands of years and they have failed. I want Jesus Christ to be on the throne. I want him to be the one that everybody listens to for the next thing that's going to happen. I don't want anybody else. There's no other person I can vote for anymore. But these people in 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And we talked about this before, how there's religions today that still have uh, the animal body and a man's head or an animal head and a man's body. That still exists today. If you Google past civilizations and look at their gods, you know, we're going to get into sexual immorality and, you know, we can talk about the millions and millions of babies that have been aborted since the 60s. But you know what? You can, you can uh, Moloch, you can Google, and you'll see pictures of Moloch and what it is or what it was. It was a god in the old days. Had its hand out like this. It was a huge statue. Uh, bronze or molten, silver, whatever. Like this, iron. Standing like this. And picture a big hole right here in the base of the legs. And in the hole, they would put the firewood they would heat up the image, get it molten hot, and then they would put little babies in the arms, and they would kill the babies. And you might say, well, why were they killing babies? Well, pretty much the same reason of things going on today, because of sexual promiscuity and the, and the prostitutes in the temple, how they worship God, there would be babies born. They were just born out of ritual. They were just born out of lust. They didn't want to care for these babies, so they sacrificed them back up to the gods who they said gave it to them. You see, they created and changed the glory of the real God to a God that they brought down to their level. They made the God like the animals and like the men that they saw and the women that they saw. They created and molded them that way. Think about that. Think about how man, the arrogance to say that, God, we're going to bring you down to our level. Now, when you can talk like that, how much do you really believe there's an almighty God that created the universe that could close your eyes and take you home like that? How serious are people about that God? How can they be if they act and talk the way they're talking? Now, you can take most kings and presidents in this country today and you can see their view on different issues. Biblical issues. But I have some good news that over in Israel, there's a prime minister who's holding Bible studies and he's going through the book of Ezekiel. Now, that's not a coincidence, everybody, that most of the world, they're doing war games and flyovers over in the Middle East right now, and most of the surrounding nations are involved, but the one of the nations that was not invited was Israel. Most of the world is lining up against Israel. And if you know biblical prophecy, that's part of the thing that's supposed to happen. But isn't it cool that Benjamin Netanyahu is holding a Bible study? He's even spoken of several years ago down in a Calvary Chapel in Florida. How about that? That's pretty neat. So God has his people, has things happening in different places. Verse 24, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Now, all of us are human. We all know what lust is. We've all experienced that. 
in one form or another, whether it's towards another person or towards another object or towards something. We were lusting after it. We wanted it regardless of the consequence, knowing it might have been, a, knowing that it was a sin and doing it anyway. I remember the lust in my heart of going ahead and sinning and say, well, I'll just ask God for forgiveness after I do it. And then the next day, I'm going to sin again. But I know I'm going to ask for God for forgiveness. What an idiot I was. Thinking about that. You know, I like the example. I go up to you and I smack Bob in the face. Bob, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay, Vin. Tomorrow. Bang! I smack Bob in the face. Bob, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it, you know. Just got a twitch. That's okay, Vin. How many times am I going to hit Bob before he knows that I'm not sorry? That's what I was doing to God. When I would just go and just sin willfully and then just ask for forgiveness. I wasn't sorry. Sorrow is going to show repentance. It's going to show me not doing that thing anymore. But notice what happens in 24. God gave them up. Guys, girls, we don't want to ever have God give up on us, give us over to something. Unless it's his Holy Spirit. <laughs> but we don't want any part of that world that we're going to be thrown back into that world and forget about the things that we have. As Sue said tonight when she was singing or in between the song, you know, what better thing can we have? Look at the riches we have in Christ because we know we've come out of the world. Why are we going to go back to where we came from? But these people have chosen to change the glory of the real God into something that honors man and not God. And notice one of the things that happens. God gives them over to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. There was that exchange. We talked about this exchange, the truth of God for the lie. Now, the lie is all wrapped up in that idolatry that you can be like God, like when back in the Garden of Eden, remember, when uh, Satan tempted Eve and said, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of the fruit? Well, you know what? You can be like God if you eat from this. You'll have the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve was deceived. She didn't understand God's word. And she bit of the fruit. And then Adam comes along and says, oh, I really love this girl. I'm going to sin. He knew what he was doing. And when he took the bite of that fruit, he willfully sinned. Eve was deceived. Man sinned. And from that sin, that's why you and I are here today. Because <laughs> we're fallen creatures. We have that sin nature of Adam. And it's like Joe, or Pastor Joe just spoke of. I believe this past Sunday or two Sundays ago. If it wasn't Adam, I'll take it. I'll take the fruit. I'm sure all of you in here could say the same thing. I would have blown it. You know, if it wasn't for Adam and Eve, I would have, I would have been the cause of the sin cycle starting in our, in our world. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged a natural use for what is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their ever, error, which was due. Now, we're going to get to some other uh, sexual sins, but right now, you know, it's talking, of course, about homosexuality and lesbianism and... Just some uh, uh, stats that this is just in the United States. There's been over 750,000 uh, cases of AIDS that have been reported and over 400,000 deaths just in the United States. In the world, the World Health Organization estimates that 30 to 40 million people worldwide are infected today. And more than one million people in the U.S. are currently thought to be infected 
with HIV. And some of those are not the uh, fault of the person who has them. Some are through some blood transfusions, blood that had the virus in it. But a lot of them have been the result of what we're seeing in Romans 1, people denying God, having no time and day for Him, ignoring the things that God has put in front of them, and going off to do what they want to do. And as we see here, they didn't, verse uh, 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God then gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with, and we're going to look at some things there, but just think about that for a second, that everything that's going on, that they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. See, you have tonight... God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, as we open up the scriptures, you have God's grace and evidence right now that we can open up his word and study it. God, through his Holy Spirit, has given you knowledge that the world does not have and that some people in the church don't want. See, they want to make a God according to their image. Remember, the Bible warns that in the last days there's going to be people with itching ears who are going to try to find themselves teachers to tell them what they like to hear. That's dangerous, everybody, because we always like to hear good things. We've had people like uh, we've had people leave this church. We were talking to Pastor Lloyd over at uh, Old Bridge. People have left his church. Why? Because they're being held accountable. But understand this, too. There's also people in churches that don't have the love of God who, when they are approaching someone about something that God has shown, like if I, let's just say there's someone in here that I know, and let's just say you're in a sin. Well, I'm supposed to go to you and talk to you one-on-one. Just say, hey, listen, God's put you on my heart. I've been praying for you. How are you doing? Is anything? And you might say, well, you know, I've been struggling with this sin. Hey, all of a sudden now, we've got some accountability going on. We can build up a, a, um, a rapport with each other. But if I go to you and say, hey, what are you doing? You're coming to this church and you're sinning? Well, first of all, we're all sinners. We're all here because we're sinners. We can all relate to each other on that one thing. We've fallen short of God's perfect standards. And we can relate that, hey, we need a Savior. And we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, went to the tomb, rose from the grave. We accepted him in our hearts, asked him for forgiveness. He's given of his, his Holy Spirit. We have that in common. Now, what is it that God is putting you in my life and me in your life for? Well, it's to build each other up, not tear each other down. And we're going to see some of the things that happen within a body, in a church. And Paul Two or three years before he goes to Rome is right in this letter in a very corrupt, immoral society where sexual promiscuity was running rampant in society itself and within the church from same sex to heterosexuals. Okay, heterosexuals can't get off and say, well, at least I'm not a homosexual. No, understand there are homosexuals and heterosexuals going to hell. Why? Because they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And once you and I accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're not going to have the evidence of the things we're going to finish this chapter with. In other words, you might... I know there's things in this chapter that I committed, sins that I've committed in this next few verses that we look at. You're going to see things that you can relate to. But understand, these are lifestyles. These are the lifestyles right here. Okay, we can see, unfortunately, the Hollywood lifestyle in almost everything here. You can pick up any newspaper or magazine and find most of the things that we're going to cover in verse 29, uh, 30, and 31. You can see that. You can turn on the TV tonight and see those things. You can write them down and say, okay, let me see if I see this coming up tonight. And you'll see it. 
You can get a newspaper and do the same thing because you know they don't report good news. Right? There's always bad news. You're going to find these things. Okay, let's look at some of these right now. Verse 28 again. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. Now remember, a debased mind is going to be a mind that doesn't have God's words and knowledge and wisdom. It's going to be coming from a corrupt heart. The mouth is going to speak what's in the heart. So if I have no knowledge of God, I'm going to speak things that aren't going to be godly. And people are sucking this up. They're taking this all in from the leaders of their countries. They're listening to people with debased minds. And who has a debased mind? Well, if there is not a man or a woman who is in love with Jesus Christ and who doesn't acknowledge Jesus as God himself, understand those are the debased people. It's very easy. This is not a uh, multiple choice. There's only two sides. There are those who are following Jesus, which is a minority out of seven, eight billion people. And there are those who are just living their life or they choose to do everything they want in their own way. But there is a division. There's definitely a division. And the question is, are, are you sure as an individual, whether you're here or listening to this, are you on that side that knows, hey, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Now, I'm not perfect and I'm not sinless, but I know that the things that God is working in my heart, I've come a long way since last week or I've come a heck of a long way since last year or in the last three years or in the last three months. Are you and I seeing a change in our hearts, the way we're viewing things, the, thing, the way we handle situations, the way we are when we're by ourselves? Do we see growth? Hopefully the answer is yes. If you say, oh man, I can't relate to what this guy's saying at all. Well, understand this. It's only a prayer way to start the change. God is right there just saying, listen, just call out to me. Just call out to me. I want to be your dad. I want to be your savior. I want to be your friend. I want to get you started on the highway to heaven. I want to get you started on that process that will bring you into a deeper relationship with me. Because if you and I believe that God is real, we have to understand that we're going to be with him maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow night, maybe 10 years from now. But we are going to be in his presence either for all eternity or for a second before he sends us to where we want to go, which is a place where he isn't. Because we didn't want him with us all our life. We've chosen to live without God. Okay, he'll turn us over to our will. You can have a life, an eternity without God. Why would you do that? Why? If you understand the importance and the significance of what he shows us in this great love letter that you have in your hands. This is a love letter from God. It's his heart revealing to you during your lifetime. During your lifetime, whether you're in your teenage years, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Just think if you've been here over 40 years how much God loves you that he's keeping you on this earth for 40 or more years. Because there's millions of people that have gone into eternity since we've just, just in the past year. They're gone from all ages. Why are you still here? Why am I still here? What is God trying to convey to you? Well, let's look at some of these things in verse, 20, or, uh, verse 29. And it says... Being filled with all unrighteousness. Now, we talked about unrighteousness being the way we treat each other. The way we act horizontally, like with mankind. How are we? How are we with that family member or that uh, worker that we just don't get along with? Do we pray for him? I know my wife and I are going uh, through a situation now with someone very near and dear to us. And there's people in her life that aren't near and dear to us. And I know that God is doing a work in our heart because we're praying for those people that are not near and dear to us. I don't know if that makes sense. But you know what I'm saying? Like they get you upset 
and yet the flesh starts to pump up. And I'm finding that it's getting pumped down. And the Holy Spirit is saying, just pray. Just pray for them by name. Because I died for them too. And that's the work that God's doing in my heart. What kind of stuff is he doing in your heart with those tough situations in your life? What's he doing? I see some young people here and I'm saying, oh man, you know, do you have your own walk with the Lord? Or are you still on your parents' coattails? Get your own walk. I don't care what age you are. If you're 7, 8, 9, 10, I don't care if you're 15, 16, 18, 21, doesn't matter. Have your own individual walk. Jesus wants to show himself real to you. It's not a coattail relationship. It's a one-on-one -on -one relationship that he wants to have with you. So unrighteousness. How are we with each other in the church? And how are we with the people at work, in school? Do we have that right relationship? Probably not if you don't have a real good relationship with Jesus Christ. How can you have a good relationship with his creation if you don't have a good relationship with the creator? It doesn't work, right? It's like two plus two equals five. It doesn't work that way. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mesh together. Okay, then we have sexual immorality. Holy mackerel. I think if I ask each one of you to give me a sexually immoral situation, we could all come up with different ones. I just think of the everything from radio to TV to movies to magazines to books to your own personal thoughts to the way people act, the way things that people say. There's so much that instead of keeping sex the beautiful thing it is, man has twisted it, it brought it down to his level, made it what he wants it to be to satisfy his selfish uh, lust rather than the love of God and how God has designed it. Going back to just think of, um, I'm a, a physical education teacher in a public high school, grade 7 through 12, and in my 8th grade health class, we had it for a marking period. One out of every four or one out of every five people Ages, see if I remember it now, 15 to 26 have an STD, a sexually transmitted disease. One out of every five. And I'm in an area where there is a lot of sexual promiscuity, but maybe some of these seventh and eighth graders would think, because I showed them pictures of what STDs look like. We had great discussions. I had to make little posters up with uh, clever sayings trying to dissuade people from um, having sex outside of marriage or having sex with multiple partners. So there were some neat things that these 12 and 13 and 14-year-old guys and girls were doing. But just think about that. I, I, I'm in an area where we, we're having a lockdown on Monday with a real... Uh, situation where the police come in and there was a policeman the, the chief of police in one of the towns came in and he was saying in this area it's one of the highest pornography areas in on the east coast and it's only a one mile area we have two towns that feed our school one is a one mile area one of the highest or the highest he said pornography in our town you could drive through this town in a minute and a half. Think of that. Think of what's going on. Just right where I am. And I just found out about this a few days ago. What's going on now as a result of our, the cell phones with kids? Just go when you're in a mall or you're just driving and kids are walking. Just take a view of how many people, how many of them are on their cell phone. Think of the sexting, and we did this a year ago, just talking about the sexting that's going on on the phone and the pictures that are being sent between guys and guys, girls and girls. There's a lot of sexual immorality going on because there's generations now that are parents who weren't brought up with the Lord and most of them are just repeating it with their own children. Situation I just heard of today.
parents are partying. They have their young teenagers clean up their beer and their hard liquor when the party's over. And guess what those kids are doing? They're drinking the leftovers. We're accountable, right? We're all accountable for our actions. Wickedness. Wickedness, one of the definitions is evil purposes and desires. Evil purposes have a purpose, have a plan of evil to do something. Now, we know, I mean, we all have been in school, whether it's private, parochial, public, we know that there are little cliques that can have very mean intents on a teenage level. But how about, have you seen it on your job? Have you seen it other places? Have you seen it in your church? Covetousness and maliciousness. Basically what this is, is a greedy desire to have more. Have more of something. More money, more fame, more clothes, more cars, more, just more, more, more. I want, I want, I want. I, 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 I. Remember the five eyes got Satan, Lucifer, booted out of heaven because he wanted it all. Years ago, that analogy. People go to hell. Banquet table. Great food on the table. Nobody can bend their arms, though. They're just like this. And the food's right in front of them. They can pick it up, but they can't bring it to their mouth. You go to heaven. Same thing. Can't bend at the elbow. But guess what? They can pick up the food. Guess who they're feeding? Each other. They're taking care of one another. It's not the I mentality. It's the you. What can I do for you that's going to get you closer to a relationship with Jesus Christ? It's not about me. Never has been. It was before we found Jesus. Now we let it go. More of him, less of me. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I want to know more of you. Full of envy. Oh, man. He got the promotion. I should have got it. Ah, oh. oh. I went 0 for 4 today. He was 3 for 4. I wish that was me. Envy can happen right bang in a minute at home, in the job, in the church. Can happen in the church. Happens in the church. All this stuff happens in the church. Paul's writing to the Christians in Rome. Covetousness, I'm sorry, full of envy, murder. Remember what Jesus said about murder? It doesn't have to be where I, it's an actual physical murder. I can have anger for you in my heart, and God counts that as murder. I can look at a woman with lust in my heart. That's like me committing adultery physically in the eyes of God. He does not mess around. Perfect. God is perfect. He doesn't mess around and give you degrees of sin. Oh, that's okay. You can do that one, but don't do that one. No, sin is sin. Sin is doing what you want to do regardless of what God says. That's sin. And I think we know that, but is it something that we're seriously, that we are serious about? Is it something that grieves our hearts? I think what happens is we get closer to the Lord. It hurts more when you see other people because you know they're hurting and they're sinning and you just want to grab them and just show them. And it all starts with praying for them. That God just starts chipping away, you know, the stuff that's going on in their heart. We have strife and deceit. You know, craftiness, guiles, you know, doing things, uh, deceiving people, not saying what you mean, striving after things. What we should be striving after, what we should be really wanting are the things of God. Those things that are going to make us more separated unto him, more usable for him while we're on this earth. Evil mindedness, and they are whisperers. Whisperers, secret slander, whether it's true or not. 
How about that one? Doesn't matter if it's true or not, they slander others, even with the truth. And also with lies. Saying things, stirring up. My God says to pray for your enemy. To bring them to the cross, to intercede on their behalf. To love your enemies. Not to slander them. So if you have a problem with me or I have a problem with you, I shouldn't slander you. I shouldn't drag your name through the mud or add a couple more sins to what you're already doing. I should just pray for you and allow God to work in your life. That's how we cover each other's back. Somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you know, do you hear about John? Well, there he is. Why don't we call him over? Hey, John, come on over here. Uh, So-and-so wants to tell us something about you. That'd be awesome. How awesome would that be? Hey, John, come on over here. Billy wants to say something. Tell me something about you. Oh, no, no, no. That's okay, man. I I was only, no, this is not important. We need to put out the fires. See, God will take care of the enemies in the church. We just need to take care of the saints. And pray for the saints that ain't. Pray for them. Make the ain'ts the saints. Bring them into the kingdom with love, with concern, with care. Thirty, backbiters goes right with those whisperers, you know, talking behind people's back. Haters of God, and unfortunately, in our world, there's tremendous amount of people that are haters of God. They're even in our government. They're trying to take the laws that God has established in our land and take them away. You know, they want to take away the nativity scene, the menorah, you know, the Jewish star. They don't want any semblance of God. But you know what's so great throughout history? Whenever people do that, God shines even more. They already try to kill him. They put him in a grave. There's nothing more they can do to him. He always wins. He always wins. Violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, uh, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. I mean, look at these things. Do we, do you fall into any of these categories? If so, you need to put that before the Lord and allow him to work in your heart. Do you know somebody whose kids are giving their parents a hard time? Pray for them. Pray for them. Lift them up. If you know them by name, lift them up by name. Lift up the young people in the church here. Some that are still here, some that are left and you know them. Lift them up in prayer. God's not finished. He's not finished with you or me. We're still works under construction, as I heard somebody speak up here within the last week or two. I think Pastor Mike might have said that, right, Mike? We're under construction by the mighty hand of God. He's the potter, we're the clay. Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, notice they know the righteous judgment, just like they know God, but they denied Him. They're denying God by their actions. Just here, just in 32 as we close, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. They know there's, they're wrong and there's a judgment coming, but notice what they do. They not only do the same thing, but they also approve of those who practice those things that should not be done. They approve them. They, they welcome them in instead of standing for righteousness. Instead of standing for godliness. Remember, we started the middle of this chapter, verses 18 to uh, 32, if you were here, with the godlessness or the ungodly and the unrighteous. Talked about before the unrighteous being the horizontal, the relationship with your fellow men and women. Well, ungodliness is a relationship with you and your father in heaven. And I don't think that's a coincidence that it's a cross when you look at it, the relationship with God and the relationship with man. It can never come together without the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the center of everything that we believe. It's the center of everything that we're talking about. The mercy, the forgiveness, the love, 
the lack of a critical spirit, the backbiting, all that, the lack of all that stuff has got to be put at the foot of the cross so that the resurrected Jesus can work through you, the new creature in Christ, to change the situation around you with the people that's God bringing in to your lives, whether it be here in the church, in your home, in your business, whatever's going on. It starts somewhere. Let it start with you, dear people. Let it start with you. You be the game changer. You be the one that makes the difference. And let's say you've been going along great. Everything's been good in your life. Well, guess what? That's where the danger is when everything is smooth. Be intense and passionate every day of your life with the Lord. Get with Him. Say, Lord, stir up my heart. Give me that passion that you had for people. So I want that passion. I want to walk by people and see they're hurting and pray for them. Even if it's not by the name, and maybe I'll remember later at night lying in bed, Lord, that guy I saw that had that uh, corduroy jacket on, Lord, just touch his heart tonight as he's sleeping. Let him hear or see something. The plane flies overhead. Lord, pray. I, just, I don't even see in a plane. I can, only, I can only see the plane. I don't even know if there's windows in it. Lord, bless that pilot. Bless those people. Let them be listening to a thing or find a magazine that has your scripture in it. What can we do to get the word out? What can you do? You can pray. You can give out tracts. You can start a home Bible study. There's a lot you can do. Let's keep getting busy. The title of the message tonight was, I don't know if we spelt it right, Christine, but Jesus... Phobic. Everybody's like, there's a homophobic, there's a such and such a phobic, but there are people who are Jesus phobics. And it goes right into the message. Because they're Jesus phobics, they've denied him. They've turned their back on him, and guess what? They are fulfilling the very words of Scripture with their debased mind, their debased lives. But guess what? We're to love them, pray for them, because we were there, right, at one time. We were those debased people. We were the ones that turned our back on God and did our own thing. Let's pray. 